You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for week number two of our random rewatch tribute to Halloween movies, three years running. Uh, and this year we're doing the first two as companion pieces, as last week we covered The Twilight Zone, the 19, uh, well, 63 episode, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. And this week, as promised, we are moving on to the 2019 series. Uh, do we want to call it season one or season only? Um, 2019 series, episode two, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. So many advancements in 46 years. Uh, this time we have Adam Scott taking on the William Shatner-like role of a man on an airplane who is the only one who seems to know that something's going wrong. And is he crazy? Is there a gremlin tampering with the wing? Is there a lot of glasses of water being asked for? We don't know. But it's going to be a reboot, a retelling, a remake uh, in this week. And we're somewhat excited about it. I don't know. Uh, My name is Colin. Colin with a C. And I'm Jordan Beale. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, the Twilight Zone 2019. Um, where do we start? There was a lot of ex- thirty thousand feet. That's we, where we start, start at thirty thousand feet. Well, we climb our way to thirty thousand feet. We'll end there. Um, I've got some. No, we end by the water. Oh, don't spoil the ending already. People haven't watched it. They like to listen to these recaps and then hear it, don't they? What? Well, that's uh, that's what this episode. Yeah, they watched the episode and listened. No, to the that's what this episode. If time. anything, Adam Scott taught us is that you listen to the podcast to spoil what's going to happen next. <laughs> that's the whole theme of the episode here. Yeah, Come true. On. They're going to listen to this first. Yeah, exactly. And then... The mystery of the Oz Network, uh, episode seven hundred, whatever we're on. Um, I have some very strong opinions on the 2019 Twilight Zone series. Uh, I'm not the only one. In fact, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any person out there who has positive opinions on the new Twilight Zone series. It's not the first time somebody's remade the Twilight Zone. And uh, I think I mentioned last week there was like an 80s update of the Twilight Zone. There was a 1983 theatrical movie of the Twilight Zone. There was a 2002 remake series with Forrest Whitaker. But this was like for the first time. We're not going to do something for Cable or, you know, in the case of the movie, just this experiment with all these big-name directors each doing their own segment. We're going to remake the Twilight Zone series. We're going to make it as close to the original as we can. We're going to do updated stories, really put you know a lot of money into it. And this is like the CBS All Access series that they're putting a ton of money and a ton of uh, promotion into right now. And so many people were so excited about this because I, I think for since I started watching the Twilight Zone, like the classic series 10 years ago, I've heard so many people attached to they're going to be doing a Twilight Zone movie or there's going to be a miniseries. And Leonardo DiCaprio at one point was trying to produce, you know, a, a new Twilight Zone movie, which would or a series of movies that would, you know, sort of take like the anthology format and even some of the original stories. And now it's finally getting made. What better way to do it than to take the new king of horror, Jordan Peele, who did such a Twilight Zone like story in, in the Get Out movie and now in the new Us movie. And have him executive produce the series, host it, uh, you know, he does a narration, he almost gets too involved uh, if you see the entire series. And it came out and people were like, what did you do to the Twilight Zone? Now, 
you haven't seen anything other than this episode, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, right? Other than 20,000 Feet? Yeah, you've seen 20 and 30,000 Feet. You will never watch The Twilight Zone again until they get to 40,000 Feet. Um, but this is the only real remake they did. There was another episode throughout the course of the season where they said, oh, this is like a retelling of you know one of the past episodes, and I watched it, and I'm still trying to figure out how it actually ties into the original. But... Otherwise, they did like 10 episodes and all of them were original stories. And each week I sort of like started the episode feeling like, yeah, they've got it. Like this, this makes sense. This is the Twilight Zone format. It's, it's, it's weird. It's kind of creepy. It's got a cool twist on it. And then week after week, they just missed the point. And the best example, I think I mentioned last week, one of my favorite episodes of the original Twilight Zone was, um, you know, an episode where a bomb, you know, warning is going off or siren and his family's in their fallout shelter, and the entire neighborhood is just trying to break in. And, you know, it was bringing up some interesting, like, social commentary about people's paranoia and uh, to what lengths will you destroy your own neighbors to preserve your own life? You know, there were episodes that dealt with, uh, you know, the, the the treatment of animals. There's another great one where there's humans that... I'm spoiling episodes here for people. There's humans who land on... Yeah, thanks, uh, they, Colin. They land on another planet, and they're being treated well by the inhabitants of this planet and they're feeding them and they're you know giving them a place to live and then only at the end of the episode do you realize you pull back the curtains from wherever they have them live and that they're essentially zoo exhibits and you know they they would have these clever twists on political issues social issues but it was always done so subtly to not like force it down your throat and i swear every single episode of the new twilight zone forces these political and you know uh social messages down your throat in like such a not so subtle way that it's actually just annoying it's like you're you're condescending to the audience and it really just drove every audience man people who are like uh yeah you know i would love this message if it wasn't like not just heavy-handed but like a heavy hand inside of a weighted down glove uh and i think after the season was over this episode sort of stood as the only one that got a decent critical reaction uh, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. And now that I've seen it, I feel like the reason why is because it's the only one that doesn't try to force any type of political or you know uh, social commentary down your throat. Uh, and if it is trying to do it, it's doing it subtle enough like the original. There's still issues with this episode, but all you really have to do is watch any other episode of season one to get the hate and then watch this episode to get why, yeah, maybe they deserve a second chance. What did you think of just overall opinions of 30,000 Feet as opposed to twenty? Um, you know, a little altitude sickness, but nothing I couldn't manage. Um, uh, I was a little, I mean, obviously I heard you talk about this, obviously since I, from last time I had said I was unfamiliar with Twilight Zone other than a bit of sort of pop culture knowledge and stuff like that. So going into this, you were like, oh, they ruined the new series. It's just, I don't like it. And so I was ready to come into this. Like, so now I was like, oh, this stuff is Collins. It's going to be so bad. It's going to be awful. But I liked it. I liked the episode. I think, like you said, obviously there were problems. It wasn't, a, you know, a 10 out of 10 if I was rating it or anything like that. But I liked it. I thought it was well done. I thought there was a lot of cool stuff going on. I thought that, unlike the original one, I was a little bit more on edge during this one. I think that they had a lot of suspension, a lot of things that you couldn't quite explain that felt really real mm-hmm. 
that made it really interesting. Like, obviously, like, you know, the concept was still there. Like, something's wrong with this plane. Like, I don't know why, but just trust me, uh, was still there. But in a more real way, like, maybe it's the timing of, you know, I'm around, I I was born during, not born during, but I've lived through this generation. I haven't lived through the 60s. -hmm. But, like, the podcast felt so real and, like, the air marshal and the, you know, constantly being told sit down. All all those sort of like current day reminders just felt so real. So it felt a lot more dramatic for me. And I liked the episode on the whole, like a just kind of generalization. Yeah, like I think what they've been trying to do throughout this series is make everything feel so modern, and that that includes whatever is the hot political topic of the week. They focus an episode like so clearly around that. And I think what what people enjoyed more about the original Twilight Zone is that it would fit those things in subtly. Uh, and a lot of episodes would take place in different time periods. They would have an episode that would take place in the 1800s or whatever. But whenever you have like an updated version of a TV show, they always look for how do you make this so modern? And the new series, what they kind of missed over and over again is what they actually got right in this episode, which is let's find a way to make this a relevant 2019 series uh, and do something different with this episode and do something different with the show that maybe isn't being done. Like even just the opening shot of just this really elaborate airport security. You know, we didn't see that in the first one. You know, we saw William Shatner walking onto an airplane and they're not checking <laughs> boarding passes or nothing. Uh, you know, he's able to just grab a gun without anybody watching him. Uh, and then everything from like the airport security here and, you know, the, the, they have the screens, which I don't know if any airplane has that. The the video of what's happening in the cockpit, I, that seems like science fiction to me, but maybe, you know, some airplanes do it have that. was a little, like, utopia-esque, like, yeah. modern, um, like, the airport itself to, like, the design of everything and sort of when he walks in that initial hallway mm-hmm. and it's all those, like, circles with the lights and everything. Yeah, yeah. It feels a little, like, futuristic, like, space, Star Trek-esque. Yeah, and and I think, you know, if there's a flaw in this episode is that maybe they didn't embrace that enough. If there's a flaw, we're going to have a couple here. But I get what you're saying. Like, I immediately thought, oh, this is future. Because I didn't know anything about this episode. Uh, I had avoided all spoilers. I wasn't sure if this was going to be, like, a complete faithful retelling of Nightmare 20,000 Feet. Or if it was just going to be something completely... Because I had seen another episode this season where they said this is like an update of this other classic episode and I'm still, like I said, still trying to figure out what tie does that even have. It's not even going to be obvious outside of the title. But, you know, them placing it a little bit further in the future, yeah, I kind of get it. It's, it's, it's more sci-fi, but yet everything else feels grounded. Like you said, the, the podcast, the MP3 player, you know, talking about phones <laughs> on airplane modes, those things connect you with this being 2019. And it's a bit of a missed opportunity because I think like, if there's one thing this episode is missing, we'll get into what the story is in a second, but if there's one thing this episode is missing, it is what I was saying that uh, you should have made more about like the security of the airplane. Like, you know, not just this guy who is the only one who thinks there's something wrong, but play up more on, look at the security we have, look at the measures people have to go through. How could anything possibly go wrong on this airplane? How could there ever be a dangerous person on this airplane? You know, maybe have another character, like the, the weird drunken guy that just appears throughout this episode, which I'm still not entirely sure is a real person. I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. 
but give Adam Scott somebody else to play off of who's like, look at this. We have, you know, a video of the cockpit. We have, you know, all these incredible measures here. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And then it kind of just makes it more of an obstacle for him. Um, but wow, the babies really are upset by this episode. They are not fans of the new Twilight Zone, by the way. Uh, take note, Jordan Peele. You have a new generation of police. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so the episode kind of starts. He's going through the airport security. And then he comes across a magazine which has his own face on it, Adam Scott's character. And uh, he's about to grab it. And there's another guy. And, oh, no, no, sorry. You grab No, you first. This was really kind of a weird scene because they're basically politely arguing over, oh, you should get this copy. No, you should get it. There are a hundred copies of this magazine on the shelf. And they're like, no, 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 no you first. I don't understand what the purpose of that scene was, but Adam Scott, I guess being the subject, I don't know if he was the writer of this article or just the subject of it, because they talk about him being on some TV on a debate. And he says, well, fine, I'll buy it for you and I'll autograph it for you. So here we have Adam Scott and the other guy in this episode who's kind of a confusing character. Is this the guy who took over at the end of the plane? Yeah, it's the same guy. Okay. Yeah. and couldn't remember. (laughs) Again, there's a lot of confusing things about his character. But... Um, these are the only two real characters we get this week, whereas last week we said, you know, everybody else was kind of just bland. It's sort of the same thing here. Uh, he introduced himself as Joe with an E, which was just kind of um, pointless, like, how else do you spell Joe? And uh, after they board the airplane, you know, even more subtly, this is where I think this episode does work, is a little bit of subtlety. Even more subtly, they introduced the same idea that they had in the, the Shatner episode in 63, that he's had a little bit of a breakdown. You know, he's on the phone with his wife. Uh, he's on this very long 13-hour flight. And there's sort of a question of, you know, can he hold it together because he has issues, you know, with uh, you know, fear or whatever on these airplanes. And he gets on the airplane and he, he stumbles across this very old-looking <laughs> iPhone or whatever it is. This is like an iPhone Zero or something. And it's got this podcast on it called Mystery at Flight 1050. Now, again, I didn't know what the premise was, but once he had said to his wife, you know, uh, this is Flight 1015, and it's, what was he say, October the 15th today, and they just bumped the uh, departure time to 1015, and then he sees this flight of, you know, uh, 1015, and he starts listening to this podcast, and it's basically seeming very familiar. It's like, oh, wait, I'm on Flight 1015, and then... It's mentioning things about a stormy night. It's like, oh, it's a stormy night outside. And then they mention the name of the pilot, which I can't remember what it was. And this is in the background. He's listening to this. And as he's listening to the podcast explaining this, you know, true story of this flight that went missing. And they mentioned the pilot's name. He's like, wait, wait, did they just say what the pilot's name is? And he's asking the guy next to him. He, I love that he asks him to listen. Can you just listen to this for a second? And he's like, those were on your ears, bro. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, fine. Just, I don't want to get lice. And he just walks away like, <laughs> I don't know. Never seen again. Never seen again. Like, this is this guy. There's no other seats available. When Adam Scott got on the airplane, there are no other seats available. This guy just disappears. I kind of have a theory that, you know, all this happens in Adam Scott's head. And this is maybe a good example of that. Um I just kind of the setup here. Uh, we'll go through the first half of the episode. So he keeps turning this thing on and off and getting creeped out because they're mentioning things about the flight. And he's like, well, this is, is this the flight that I'm on? Am I somehow listening to a podcast about what bad things about to happen on this flight? And uh, one of the scenes that happens is he, uh, I, I guess starts to say like something went wrong in the podcast thing. Something went wrong in this plane. We don't know if it was a mechanical interference or something. And he sees these two guys 
who I think he gave a seat up to at the beginning of the, or no, he gave a seat up to the husband and wife at the beginning. Uh, so he sees these two other guys who um, are watching something on their phone and he's telling them to turn it off. Now this is another really weird scene um, because he's telling them to turn off the phone and they look at him and says uh, something about, um, you know that we're Sikh, right? Now what relevance did that have in this episode? I still am trying to figure out. It's not like he says, you know, turn that phone off, guys. You know that we're Sikh. Like, what were they implying there? I didn't understand it. Um, And uh, I guess cutting off about halfway through the episode, he's sort of figuring, okay, well, was this phone causing mechanical interference? So he's starting to get involved with other passengers. So we're already getting a little bit more interaction than we got in the the 63 episode. Um, But he listens to something about, you know, uh, an air marshal or whatever. And he's trying to figure out, well, who's the air marshal on the flight here? And uh, he's thinking it might be this guy that he met who's just getting more and more loaded throughout the flight. You know, then he, he, he's sort of asking, I know you're the air marshal, right? Because he's sort of alluded to the other guy here that he used to be a pilot. He even name drops the name of the, the pilot who's flying the plane, which matches the one the podcast. And then it's just a sort of thing about, well, who's the air marshal? And they get like little shots of people here and there. We'll kind of um, cap it there for now. Uh, it's it's an interesting setup. And like at this point, I was really surprised. I'm like, what a great spin on this original story, despite some of these really bizarre things like the guy who doesn't want to catch lice that just disappears and the guys just proclaim themselves, you know that we're Sikh and then refusing to turn off their phones. But still, really cool premise. And at this point, I'm thinking Adam's got like the absolute right guy to put not just an update in this, but a different spin because he sort of has that nervousness without being over the top and panicky. Yeah, and this I like the scene when he goes to the bathroom and sorts of like like puts water on his face and tries to sort of compose himself, something that, you know, William Shatner didn't even try to do in the mm-hmm. original. Uh, he just, just drank like his water thing. constantly. <laughs> he just asked for many, many cups of it. <laughs> uh, just like small things like that matter in terms of the effect of telling the story, even if something's like, don't make sense like why he has to go to these people or why he has to do this or why he has to do that it just makes it feel a lot more real when you're seeing like the character kind of go through it Uh, and i love seeing adam scott in this role so as an adam scott fan can can you make any sense out of the i don't want to get lice guy and then did you know we're seek people i mean i get like okay you don't want to just like use some random headphones fine but like you didn't have to get up and leave (laughs) and never come back (laughs) yeah like and he wasn't there at the end of the plane either when Mm -hmm. like adam was like detained in his seat like the air marshal she sat next to him at the end of the flight so it was just really weird everyone's like getting up and moving around and then this guy that who eventually takes the plane at the end he's moving around because he originally was sitting right behind adam Mm mm-hmm and then they're in one of those seats with the wall behind them. So, like, I don't know what was going on with the, the seating arrangement here. The flight attendants were too busy dealing with uh, Adam Scott to bother going around checking where everyone was sitting. Mm. And I have no idea what the, that comment was specifically about. It's probably, like, a, a reference or a joke or something that just went over our heads. Yeah. and There's some more weird stuff to come. Like, overall, I feel like the first half of this episode is definitely stronger than the second half because... I don't think they ever really quite wrapped their heads around what the story they were telling was, you know, what was real or whatever. Um, 
if there's a fault, it's maybe this everything's a little bit too subtle here. <laughs> I'm gonna sound like a fan who just can't be pleased. Oh, you're you're not subtle at all. You're too subtle. Uh, but kind of in the second half of this episode, it just escalates where Adam Scott's getting more and more paranoid. And every once in a while, when he tries to, you know, he's an investigative reporter, and they definitely played up on that more. And I, that was a way that you can extend it from the half an hour format to the hour long format. It's not just a guy who's like, trust me, there's something on the airplane. He's an investigative reporter, but they, he never really does a lot of investigating, you know? It, it's like his podcast will say, you know, oh, there was some type of mechanical disturbance, so he asks somebody to turn off their phone. And then, oh, there's an air marshal, so he asks the guy, hey, are you an air marshal? Like, this guy's the worst, you know, investigative journalist ever, uh, especially when they, they say, you know, on the podcast, the next time he turns it on. So there, you know, one of the theories is that there was a... Uh, you know, an informant for the Russian mafia or whatever named Orlov who was in protective custody and that this whole plane was put down just to silence him. And he's like, wait a second, this is what it is. That's what this is about. I need to find this guy. We still know why he's trying to find him. And what does he do? He Again, the worst investigative journalist ever. He just sees two guys talking Russian. Hey, you're Orlov, aren't you? No, we're not Orlov. And they just pick a fight because it turns out they're like Russian soccer players or something. And him very aggressively, you know, getting involved in this. And the flight attendants just... I love the the one flight attendant who just... Every time he comes, yes, Mr. Sanderson. Okay, please sit down. Okay, please. I need to do my job. <laughs> just, you're getting in on everybody's nerves. to so sit down. She was great. Uh, and as this fight sort of starting here uh, about I need to see the air marshal. And, you know, uh, th- th- this guy's under custody. And you know, the, the Russian guy's picking a fight with him. He just turns around and sees all these people filming him on their phone. And he's forced to sit down. The, the air marshal is revealed at this point as being just this random girl they kept showing who's just wearing her hood up. You know, the, the most least likely person you think would be the air marshal. And he, you're the air marshal? <laughs> and he gets handcuffed, put in his seat. Uh, he can still put on his podcast while he's in custody here. I love that she arrests him and then just gets up and walks away. Like Everybody's so afraid of his life, they just get up and walk away. Uh, and he listens, and they say, uh, another theory is that there was an investigative reporter named Justin Sanderson. Oh, that's his name. And he's listening, because now it's talking about him, and that uh, a very unusual video was uploaded before the plane went down of a disturbance on the flight that he was causing. And now he's listening to audio of this altercation he just had with the Russian guys, you know, talking about this this Orlov who's in protective custody. So I think they planted all the right seeds here to have this intriguing premise. There, there's a odd comparison but there was a Liam Neeson movie that came out uh, last year uh, where he what was it I can't even remember what it was called not the snowplow one the one on the train it's always Liam Neeson in a vehicle but um, Taken no not (laughs) Taken on a train whatever Taken on a train was I forget already Um, where he was just sort of the commuter he was just sort of riding home after you know being laid off one day and this lady on the the train tells him you know I need you to kill somebody. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you know, you have to kill somebody uh, before this train rides over. And he spends the entire time sort of investigating all the people on there. And in a weird way, this Liam Neeson dopey action movie actually kind of played this premise better. Cause I feel like maybe there should have been more focus on him investigating these people and, and him talk when he gets the, the drunken old pilot here, which I'm still thinking is an imaginary person, uh, you know, who, is the only person who believes him. Uh, have him say, you know, I can't get up anymore, but I need you to go talk to these people and find out what's going on. And maybe this guy could be so crazy himself and or so drunk himself that he just 
starts feeding him bad information and that you can play up more on that. But still, there's the right setup here for a great episode. Uh, and in the end, you know, Adam Scott says, you know, something bad's going to happen on the airplane. You have to believe me. And he goes, oh, I believe you. Like, he's done nothing to actually convince him. <laughs> this guy just goes along with it. Uh, and he's like, you know how to land the airplane? It's like, yeah, but all these, you know, they have like this override code where uh, each flight is specific, you know, to how to get in there. It's like, I know the code. It's 1015. Who would have thought of that? We need a secret code to make sure nobody can get into the cockpit. So let's make it the flight number <laughs> and the date and the time. Let's just make it my address while we're at it. Uh, so he says, great, I'm going in there. And so the other guy here, the drunken former pilot uh, that Adam Scott has somehow very easily convinced how to take over this airplane, goes in there and he says, you know, I'm going to lower the cabin pressure. Everybody's going to pass out. The oxygen mask will lower, but I'll cut off the oxygen to that. So everybody's just going to pass out and then I'll land this plane safely. Um a couple of issues with this one uh this is an airplane that you know has such high security and the whole premise is you know we don't want to alarm passengers or whatever but they're watching him take over the, the cockpit on the video and they're also watching him not put on his own breath mask um now if he's lowering the cabin pressure and this causes everybody to pass out why doesn't drunken pilot here pass out too i don't know uh he's sort of said he was giving Adam Scott, you know, another um, oxygen mask so that he wouldn't pass out. I don't know what the whole point of this is. There was a line earlier on where in the podcast, there was this mysterious line that the pilot said, which was good night, New York, just before he crashes. You think that by Adam Scott having somebody other than the pilot take over, that he's saving the airplane. Because if he doesn't say that line, if he doesn't do this, then he's changed history or whatever. But it's actually the crazy drunken guy who says, good night, New York. And then Adam Scott realizes, oh, no, the same thing's happening. Flash forward to him waking up on the beach. You see a plane wreckage everywhere. He's alive. He, his podcast is still there. And suddenly he realizes it was him all along that caused the crash. All the other passengers, they, they say on the podcast that every passenger was discovered alive, except for investigative journalist Justin Sanderson. And... He's like, well, why was I not the only one who wasn't discovered? And then he sees every passenger on the flight turning on him, mobbing him, lynching him, killing him, who knows what. The idea that eventually these people will be found. He won't be one of them. They obviously kill him. It is a really cool twist on the end of the episode. I don't think they really properly explain what's going on here. Like, I feel like what 20,000 feet did a lot better is just that idea that there's something wrong with the airplane and this one guy does save them and that everybody's going to think he's crazy. But in the end, it was, you, at least you knew in the end, okay, even if the gremlin wasn't real, he saw something that was actually happening. And I don't need an explanation as to why this podcast was there where he was listening to the future of what was about to happen to them. But some explanation as to who this guy is that helps him take over the airplane or an explanation as to how this guy just goes along with it, you know, or why all these people just decide to kill him and turn on him. Sure, yes, he crashes the airplane, but like from their perspective, why are they, you know, killing him? Because they've just watched some other guy take over the cockpit and crash the airplane and they turn on the guy who's been annoying and picking some fights but hasn't really done anything wrong. I don't really feel like the story had a proper conclusion here. It doesn't really make any sense. But still, it's cool, and it's a cool twist. And it's the closest that the 2019 Twilight Zone got to actually doing something interesting like the original series. 
Yeah, I originally when I saw the ending, I was thinking that it was like, oh, you know, he was the only one alive, and like, or, or sorry, he was the only one that didn't make it, and for some reason, like, he was just there alone on this sort of like beachy area mm-hmm. when everyone else had just been rescued or something. I don't know. I just thought it was like I didn't expect the ending. I think I was a little surprised that everyone was like sort of zombie apocalypse coming to kill him at the very end of it. I did like one thing I did note was that they had a little like stuffed animal or stuffed toy that was like a reference to the original um, 20,000 feet. They had a little like stuffed creature that was like lying oh, in yeah. the sand. Yeah. <laughs> which I loved. I was like, I knew that. I knew that reference. It's um, the original gremlin toy. Really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The gremlin. That was cool to see. I liked that they kind of did something simple like that. Uh, but in terms of the like actual stuff that leads to the ending, it was a little odd. I think a little bit of like wonky storytelling of how like Adam Scott's listening to this podcast is predicting the future. And in some ways you think that he's setting it in motion because he's like aggravating all the passengers. So like it'll foretell that he'll get killed. He's, um, you know, predicting that like, certain people will get into fights and then that he will, the air marshal and stuff like all these kinds of things that he's like sort of setting in motion by investigating this sort of leftover device. Uh, doesn't all effectively matter because the guy would take over the plane no matter what if we're to believe his intentions were the same, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to make of that sort of storyline of him causing it versus it would probably have been happening anyway. You know, no matter what had happened with Adam Scott's character, it's a little wonky on that. And you know, throughout the entire episode, there was one thing that I was really thinking about that I liked about it originally. I was like, it feels almost like this sort of like secret cult thing where everyone's in on this, not in on it, but like there's this sort of larger conspiracy together like where he was just kind of this isolated thing that he could only see the answers but everyone else was just blind to it or something like that mm-hmm. and like in some sort of like communal cult way and and then it kind of went nowhere toward the end and I was like oh not too into it I like this idea where everyone was about this like same plot because you always you know Adam Scott was giving weird looks to who he didn't know at the time but that air marshal and like stuff like that was just playing on my mind and I thought what maybe not did it play out as like a storyline. I think it was cool as like a story point, like a narrative or a storytelling point kind of thing, like building the suspense and making it creepy. I th- I think that this definitely successfully made it creepy. You know, I, I was creeped out the whole time. I was weirded out. Like I felt uncomfortable. I was totally left in the dark of what was supposed to be happening or what was going on who was right, who was wrong, like all this kind of stuff. So, I, I mean, I think that there were, were problems. I think you are articulated them pretty well. I just think that this, I can see why this would be considered the best episode of the season. Um, We're kind of going to run through the other episodes here. Uh, no, let's start covering it starting now with episode three. But, uh, I was like, I've seen none of it. <laughs> but, um, you know, the 10 episodes here, just sort of an example of how they stacked up. Just looking at IMDb, I actually thought the first, that this was the second episode. I thought the first episode was slightly stronger than this, just because it, if there's one 
way to really sum up, I think, what is missing from this episode is that it feels like this is the second draft and they maybe needed a third or fourth draft. Like that you would do a read through of this and you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is really good, but there's a couple of problems here that really don't make sense. Let's iron those out. And they eventually would be a great episode in here. Um, The first episode, the comedian gets a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. This gets a 6.9. So like those two are definitely the two, you know, most acclaimed. And I remember when they came out, critics were like, oh, this is not good. Um, third episode gets a 5.5, fourth gets a 5.7, fifth gets a 4.9, next one gets a 6, a 4.6, a 4.9, a 6.3, and a 5.8. Um, (laughs) and, and if you look on IMDb, TV shows tend to get much higher ratings than movies because the people who are loyal to the shows obviously like the show by the time you get a few episodes in. Just look at how many people rated these episodes and kind of get an idea on how much interest was lost in this season. Almost 3,500 people rated episode one. 2,800 people rated this one. Uh, it just slides from that point on to the point where the last two episodes of the season have 863 and 856 people rating it. So... There's no way to really see what TV ratings are. But yet, there are doing a season two. And I think that, like, Jordan Peele is smart enough. And also Simon Kinberg, who produces with him, is the same guy who is responsible for you know, writing the majority of the X-Men movies. I think they're smart enough that they can retool season two. It'll be something interesting. Um, I wouldn't recommend going out of your way to watch anything else unless it was episode one of the season, The Comedian, for this Twilight Zone. But I, I think it's fun to kind of do these two updated episodes back-to-back and not knowing anything about what this one was going to be, I was still pleasantly surprised despite having a very negative opinion on the season as a whole and, you know, kind of having some issues with this episode overall. Uh, or would you buy this rented or bin it? You rented the last episode, 20,000 feet. I bought it. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'd buy this just because there are a lot of things that just don't add up in the story that just don't make a lot of sense that, this did at times feel like it's maybe this would have worked better as a shorter episode or at least you know something that a little bit shorter with more development but i still think this one's rent worthy i mean there's probably only two episodes in the entire season that i would have not binned you know this and then the first episode this definitely rent worthy for me i think it's worth checking out it's fun it's a cool updating don't expect to not have some issues with it though Uh, it's tough. Um, I'm actually not sure what I want to do. You want to rewatch it? No. Well, okay. Do I want to be um, controversial or do I want to be oh. run of the mill? I don't know what you want what to be. <laughs> I got to listen to the Mystery of the Oz Network podcast to find out what Rossi did. What do you think? Well, I think you're leaning towards whether you liked this one more because it was kind of a more modern updating. It had a little bit more to it than just the 25-minute the original one. But you're also leaning on the side of, well, there are maybe more issues with this episode as opposed to the last one. But that's also kind of a fair, you know... Uh, it's it's fair because it's a longer episode, so there's more time to have issues with it. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to buy it. What? <laughs> and 
And again, this is I, a, it's a fun episode, but like the the first one compared to this, definitely stronger overall. I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would. Like, so is expectations in, like because like, you talked I, about that last week. You said you know knowing that this was like the the ultimate Twilight Zone episode or like the the you know most iconic Twilight Zone episode, and then you're like, well, you know, it's okay. Whereas this one, as you said. I'd sort of built it up like everybody hates the new Twilight Zone series. This is going to be garbage. And then it turns out to be pretty decent. Yeah. And then I think that it did the original justice as well. Like I think that yes, problems like it's not the, the best thing I've watched, you know, in recapping here, but I think that it's, you know, it did stay true to the idea of the original in a fun new way. That wasn't a, um, you know, a man in a King Kong Halloween costume on a soundstage. And I enjoyed it. And I liked Adam Scott. So I'm going to buy it. Oh, all right. Um, I said controversial. I know. <laughs> I should have expected it. Um, so we're done a Twilight Zone recap, finally. Uh, this is definitely something that would be easy to bring back every October. More Twilight Zone. I'm really hoping they do that theatrical re-release in the... Uh, here in Canada, because there's so many great episodes of the show, uh, as long as it's the classic series and not this one. But we're moving on to something very different next week, Rossi, for week three no, of Halloween month. so similar. <laughs> so similar. Uh, you got to tell us what it is, because I am not familiar with it in any way. All right, we are watching a Disney Channel original <laughs> movie, the loved, beloved, uh, amazing but also probably really bad if you were rewatching it as an adult, <laughs> but still very enjoyable. The loved Halloween town. Uh, it's a fun Halloweeny movie um, in the style, not style in terms of visually, but in the spirit of having this uh, nightmare before Christmas style identity to it. And it's really fun. And yeah, it is definitely not spooky in any way. There are no scares. Maybe if you're a kid, maybe. But uh, no scares for you or I. And we'll have a lot of fun. So I'm not familiar with this. Uh, the, my familiarity is two things. One, um, every year as I'm kind of flipping through the channels, uh, I will see this on one of the you know, kid-friendly channels like Disney or YTV or Family Channel here in Canada, and I was like, Halloween Town, what's that? And they'll usually air a marathon, because I guess there's a bunch of these movies. Um, and then my other familiarity being, when you suggested doing this, and I said, I don't know anything about that, and you said, Debbie Reynolds is in it. I'm like, alright, I'm in. <laughs> so, uh, can we at least look forward to more than a cameo of Debbie Reynolds? Is this is this a full-fledged Debbie Reynolds movie? Does she sing? Does she dance? Does Carrie Fisher show up? Uh, no Carrie Fisher, unfortunately. <laughs> And they didn't add any sort of late game CGI effects, but it looks like she's there, but she's not actually. Um, it is full movie, including Debbie Reynolds. Unfortunately, I don't think she sings or dances, but she does have a microwave. <laughs> microwave, um, yes, a special microwave. So, <laughs> yeah, but De- Debbie Reynolds is in it. She's amazing. She's one of the more major characters in the movie, and. There's a lot of interesting costumes, I will say. Um, I have to ask Jamie if she's ever seen this because she really likes movies like Hocus Pocus, uh, which sadly we covered last year. 
Um, maybe we could get. I wish we could do it again. Hocus pocus. Oh, please no. Uh, but yeah, this will be interesting because it seems like you have some nostalgia for this, and you already set it up by saying, you know, if you're a grown adult, maybe it's not good. So I've never seen it before. We'll be doing Halloween Town next week, and then uh, we'll save the surprise for what our final one is for uh, next week when we reveal it. So as oh, always, can we, can we give a tease? Can I give a tease? Give about a tease. It? Tease away for what week four will bring us. It's a very generic tease, and it will not give you it unless you're a big fan of it, and you'll know. But it is coming up, or just past its its big anniversary, oh, so yeah. it should be pretty important if you are a Halloween fan. So we got two more weeks of this left, and then random rewatches will probably actually be put on hold because we're going to be doing a new project, which will, uh, I guess, tease at the end of week four. Um, as always, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, wherever it is Adam Scott downloaded his MP3 podcast from. Uh, you, I'm sure you can find us on there too. If you are listening to us from some point in the past and we just saved your lives, make sure to give us a five-star review. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening to us in the past and we somehow caused the death of at least one person, uh, then give us a one-star review. Uh, <laughs> just give us a review one way or the other. And we'll be back next week for Halloween Town. My name is Colin, and I don't want to get lice, bro. And my name is Rossi, and two people who are going to record a podcast, but only one survived. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.